Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. I want to say again how much I enjoyed that violin special. It's beautiful. Ephesians chapter 3. Let's stand together, please, for the reading of the Scripture. We're talking again tonight about the person of the Holy Spirit. I want to speak on this subject. The Holy Spirit and revival. The Holy Spirit and revival. Um, individually, we need, revi- we need reviving. We periodically need to be revived. We'll talk about that. When you get several people being revived, it kind of becomes a, a revival that's noticeable, maybe even in a church or in a region. But we, we want to look at the role of the Holy Spirit in this matter of revival. Ephesians 3.14 For this cause... I, Paul is speaking in the first person, for this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that He would grant you. Now, when Paul is writing this epistle and he says that He would grant you, who is He speaking to? Speaking to the church at Ephesus, right? It's the book of Ephesians written to the congregation there at Ephesus. That He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit. Capital S, Spirit, the Holy Spirit. To be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we have to spend in your word. We pray that you'd help us as we study together, as we read these scriptures, as we think about the need we all have for times of revival, being revived. And individually we need to be revived. Collectively, churches as a church, we need to be revived. We pray that we could just get more and more familiar with the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. So for those of you who are guests, we've been, on Sunday nights, we've been dealing with the person of the Holy Spirit for six or seven weeks, I'm sure, We've talked about how the, the Holy Spirit's role in personal godliness and, and sanctification, the Holy Spirit's role, and he's, he's our teacher. He teaches us the Holy Spirit's role in comforting us, how the Holy Spirit gifts us. We've talked about it in our last small groups, how the Holy Spirit gifts us to serve Him in the church, His enabling, His empowerment, and uh, all these things about the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and, and what, what it does is we 
teach about this, and we've only got probably one more lesson on this subject, but as we think about this, it causes us to focus our attention not so much on us and what we can do, but on Him and what He can do. If I focus on what I'm capable of doing, I see my own limitations and we become frustrated and fearful. But if we focus on His life in us and what He can do, it makes the Christian life manageable because He's the one that's living the life. We said this morning, you can't live the Christian life without Him and without His help, without His power. So we're going to think about revival tonight. And as I'm thinking about Paul praying for this church, he's praying for this church for their spiritual a strengthening, it says in verse 16, that He would grant you according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. That inner man is the part of us inside of us where the Holy Spirit dwells, that inner man. So He's praying about God's work in them. And we're gonna, we, we want to just think about this together tonight. I think most of us would agree with this. We need for God to work in our life. You know, all of us know that we ought to serve the Lord. I, I see people working and serving, and I'm thankful they're serving the Lord, and, and uh, we want to work for God, and I've heard this terminology all my Christian lives, do a work for God, and, you know, we want to we wanna be involved, we want to be active, but, but there has to be also this God working in us, not just what we're doing, but what is God doing? What is God doing in our life? He's challenging this church. Paul is challenging this church about God's work in them. He lives within us. Look what it says again there in verse uh, 16, talking about the inner man. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. He lives within us, but he wants to work in our lives. And I want to I read a few other passages that deal with that subject, and we will be back to Ephesians. But go to the right, if you would please, to the book of Hebrews and the last chapter of the book of Hebrews, Hebrews right before the book of James, look in Hebrews chapter 13, and I'm going to read two verses. Hebrews chapter 13, give you just a moment to find that. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20, the Bible says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, he continues his sentence into verse 21. This is a statement the writer of Hebrews makes. The God of peace, here's, and here's the, the rest of his statement in verse 21, make you perfect in every good work to do his will. Now notice the next three words. Working in you, working in you, that which is well-pleasing in His sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, when, when, the moment you got saved, if you've been born again, the moment you got saved, God did a work in you. God began a work in you. You didn't get saved because of what you did. You didn't get saved. You don't, nowhere in the Bible does it say we can be saved because we do better, because we keep the law, because we get baptized, because we go to church, we, we give our money, we're, we treat people nicely. Nowhere does the Bible say that you can be born again, you can go to heaven because you do good stuff. It just doesn't say that. Religion teaches you that, but the Bible doesn't teach you that. 
But what the Bible teaches us is we come to God and we admit to Him how hopeless we are, how helpless we are, how lost we are, how we've broken His law. We're guilty before God. There's nothing we can do to make ourselves right with God. But we recognize that Jesus Himself, 2,000 years ago, took our sin upon His own body on the tree, that He died in our place. He paid the price for our uh, sins. Him who knew no sin was made to be sin. And He is the, the Bible used this word propitiation. He's the sacrifice for our sin. And the moment we recognize I'm as lost as I can be and I have no hope, but Jesus died for me and today I put my faith in Him as my Savior and I receive Him as my Savior and I receive God's forgiveness because of Jesus Christ. The moment that happens, you're saved, but it's not because of what you did. It's because of what He does in you. We, I th wouldn't we all agree to that? It's, that's what salvation is. It's what God does in us. And yet sometimes, after we're saved... For a while, it, we've, we've just started trying to do it on our own. Like, I can do this, and I want to do this. I'm going to make myself do this. And if you'll look back, some of, now some of us can remember better because it happened when we were older. We were adults when we got saved. But, I mean, just things started happening, right? Good things started happening. I started realizing I, the friends I had weren't good for me, and the habits I had weren't good for me, and... And going to church was good for me. And, and I started loving I mean, I went from, don't even ask my wife the kind of music I listened to before I got saved. But I went from that to loving singing Amazing Grace and the Old Rugged Cross and just loving God. You know who did that? You say, man, you must have got religion. No, he's, he's doing something in my life. God works in us. And by the way, if you've been saved for by God's grace, we've been saved for 44 years this summer. But it still has to be His work in us. It's not like riding a bicycle. Once you get it done, you can just do it, right? It's not that. He, and, and if He's not working in us, then we're missing out on what the Christian life is about. And, and that's why people lose their joy and their purpose and, and all these things. It's, it's not because these things are bad. It's not because these things got bad. It's not because we did them so much it got boring. It's because He's not working in us anymore. And so Paul is praying for this church. I want to come back and focus on this. Paul is praying for this church that God would work in them. And here in Hebrews he says, look in verse 21 again, make you perfect in every good work to do His will, working in you working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight. You know what's well-pleasing in God's sight? It's not what you do. And it's not what I do. It's what He does in us. It's what He does through us. He wants to work in our life. By the way, that's really what grace is. Grace, grace is God's enablement. Grace is God working in our life. Go to the left from Hebrews there, if you would, to 1 Corinthians 15. And I, we're going to look up several familiar passages that speak about this matter because this all pertains to the general subject of revival. And it's the work of the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 10 Paul says, 
But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. He said, it's just God's grace. I am what I am by the grace of God. But His grace that was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. He wasn't being boastful. He said, I, you know, I, I take this serious. I work at it. I labored more abundantly than they all. But then look, look what he said in verse 10 again. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. He said, the reason I've done what I've done is because of the grace of God in me. It's God working in me. You know, we want God to work in us. We need for God to work in us. If we're going to be what God wants us to be, and this theme is found throughout the passage there in Ephesians. I'm going to go back to Ephesians, but look a little earlier in chapter 3 from where we were reading a moment ago. We're going to look at several more passages too, but Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 7, Paul is speaking again. Paul says, Whereof I made a minister... And that word minister means a servant. I'm a, I'm, Paul says, I've been made a servant according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of His power. Now this is, he said, what I, the reason he says that God allowed me to do this is because of His working in me. Now, now think with me tonight. And this is not a, a question to condemn us. It's a question to to just open our eyes and cause us to think, what has God been doing in your life? What's God doing in your life? Because it's only as God works in us that we're going to be accomplishing His perfect will for our life. It's not a work of the flesh. It's not a work of our own energy. It's not a work of our own intellect. It's a work of God working in our life. You're in Ephesians. Go to the right, if you would, please. To the, to the very next book to the right is Philippians. And we're going to look at two passages in the Philippians that say basically the same thing. You know, the Bible says, let, you know, let every word be established by two witnesses. Look at all these different witnesses from the Scripture that are saying the same thing. Philippians 1 and verse 6, Paul says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, he began a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So if God began a good work in you when you were saved, you may have been a child, you may have been a teenager, you may have been an adult. When you, when you got saved, God began a work in you. How long is that work going to continue, according to that verse? Until the day of Jesus Christ. Until He comes for us. So that very, very plainly says to me, God wants to keep working in your life. God wants to keep working in my life. We're in Philippians, look in Philippians chapter 2. And verse 13. For it is God, Philippians 2, for it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. Now, I'm going to talk about revival in a moment. But let me just tell you this before we get there. You know why we need to be revived? Because we find ourselves where it's just us doing it and not God doing it. And if it's just us doing it, you say, preacher, do you think people could just 
kind of force themselves to get up and go to church and just make themselves read their Bible and, you know, and, and, and just, uh, you know, it just, I absolutely believe that happens. You know what? And, and, and I, I think there's a better way. And that's to let God work in you. And, and when revival is going on, it's, it's revive means God is, it means to re, revigorate or vigorate. It's God, it's God stirring us and, and doing through us what He wants to do through us. And I think that would make a world of difference in most people's lives. It's not just them doing it. It's God doing it. So, so he says here in Philippians 2.13, it's God which worketh in you. Now we've looked at this passage many, many times over the years, but I never tire of looking at it. There are two aspects of this that we want to just mention. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So God works in you to will. To, what, is, what does the word will mean? It means the desire. God works in you to give you the desire. You say, well, I just, don't have, I just don't have any desire to read my Bible. I don't have any desire to witness. I don't have any desire, you know, to fellowship with other Christians. I just don't have any desire to serve God. Well, where does the desire come from? It's not because we're trying to earn points with God. It's God working in us to will and to do of His good pleasure. He works in us. His work in us affects our desires. If a person doesn't want to grow spirit, if a person doesn't want to give to God, if a person doesn't want to live for God, if a person doesn't want to worship God, if a person doesn't want to serve God, it says something about where they are spiritually. Because God works in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. You know, if a person were to say, I just don't really want to do God's will anymore, that, has nothing, that, is, that is not an indication that God doesn't have a will for them. It's just an indication that they're not in a good place spiritually. His work in us makes us want to do His will. Right? His work in us makes us want to do His will. And His work in us makes us able and capable of do, to do His will. He works in us both to will and to do of His good pleasure. I need that. You may not think you need that, but I need that. I need God working in me because, so that I'll always want to do what He wants me to do. And I'll be able to do what He wants me to do. And then I can't take the credit for it because He's the one that does it. It's not me that doing it, but God works in us, Paul says. So well, I ask the question again, what is God doing in you? Is He working in your life? What if, and what if He's not working in your life? If God is not working in our life, you know what we need? We don't need to be saved again. We need to be revived. We need to be revived. We need revival. That, that's a word that's found in the Bible, though it's not used frequently in the Bible, but it's found in the Bible. And revival is new life. Vive is life. Revival is new life. It's a return to life. It's to, it's to give strength and energy to. And that's why I began with that passage in Ephesians 3.16 because that's really what Paul is praying for when he says that he would grant you, God would grant you to be strengthened with might by His Spirit. That His Spirit would be strengthening you. 
that the Spirit of God would be giving you new life, vigorating you, that He would be working in your life. And I think the longer a person goes in the Christian life without times of spiritual renewal or revival, the more they get accustomed to just going through the motions. Just doing the same stuff. They don't have the desire they once had. They don't have the love for the things of God like they once did. And, and you know what? People get sour. Then they start getting sour on all these. But really what we, we need is, we don't need a new, we don't need a, a, a new atmosphere, a new geographic location. We just need a newness of the Spirit working in our life. That's what revival is. The word revival is not used here in Ephesians chapter 3. But that's what he's talking about. Strengthened with might in the inner man by his spirit. I was, I was just talking to a man recently that's been saved for a long, long time. But God has been working in this man's life recently. And giving him a new attitude and joy about the work of God and serving God. And, it, and it's not, nothing on the outside has happened that changed anything. It's what's happening on the inside of him. And according to this passage here in Ephesians 3.16 and many other passages, who is the agency that brings this new life into us? It's the Spirit of God. The riches of it, but to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Paul wanted them to be strengthened in the inner man. There can be no real revival without the Spirit working. I mean, we could work harder. We could. We could say, I'm going to read more. I'm going to go to more church services. I'm going to mow the grass more at church. Go ahead and say that. Oh, that'd be a good thing to do. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to get on one of the cleaning teams. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to start doing more. But doing more is not the answer. Nothing wrong with doing more, but that doesn't, there's no, that's not a substitute. What you do on the outside is not a substitute for what needs to happen on the inside. What happens on the inside, God has to do. You can't do that. You can't get inside and change the inside of you. God has to do that. And he elaborates on this more in Ephesians 3, and I'm not really going to uh, spend time t breaking these verses down, but in verse 19 he said that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. In verse 20 he said that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. God's able to do more than we can imagine according to the power that works in us. Look in verse 19, according to the, or 20, the power that works in us. God can do more than you could ever imagine. I've had people say to me more than once over the years who've gotten away from where they need to be spiritually, and they say, you know, I don't think I could ever get back to where I used to be. Well, I don't know that back to where you used to be is a good goal anyway. I think a better goal is I want to be everything God wants me to be. And God can do more than you could ever imagine according to His power that works in us. According to His power that works in us. And, and who gets the glory? Look in verse 21. Unto Him be glory in the church. God gets glory out of that. So we need the Spirit working in us, reviving us, living through us. Now, I, I, just, I had this thought as I was preparing this lesson. And that is, just to do a bit of a little review of the history of Ephesus. Because that's who Paul is talking to here, the church at Ephesus. The first time Paul visited Ephesus, it was just passing through a quick visit in about 52 or 53 A.D. He just passed through. 
But then later in Acts chapter 19, he had a prolonged stay there. Let's, let's look at that briefly. Acts chapter 19. Paul is going to spend some time in Ephesus. Acts chapter 19 in verse 10, for instance, it says, and this continued by the space of, well, if you look in verse 1, it says that Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. So that's where, now we have Paul visiting Ephesus again in Acts chapter 19 and verse 1. But if you look down in verse 10, it says, this continued by the space of two years. So he spent a, 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 an extended time in Ephesus ministering. And God was working in a great way. Um, if you read the rest of that chapter, we're not going to do that. That was about 53 to 55 A.D. It's so several years there. So he spends several years there. And God's working in a great way. All right, now let's think about another date. Paul wrote the letter, Ephesus, to that church. And the, the letter we've just been reading, how that Paul said, I'm praying that you'd be strengthened in your inner man. He wrote that letter about 60 or 61 A.D. Now he had spent 53 to 55 there, so it's only been about five years after that he wrote this letter. And he said, I'm praying, I'm praying about you. I don't want to see you drift. I want you to let God keep working in your life. Now let's go to the book of Revelation. And let's just look at a couple of verses in Revelation chapter 2. It may seem like a strange place to go, but... Revelation chapter 2. And the very first letter that Jesus addresses in these letters to the churches is the church at Ephesus. Revelation 2.1. Under the angel of the church at Ephesus write... Give this message to the church at Ephesus. These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and he lists some good things about them, thy labor, your patience, how you can't bear them that are evil, how you've tried them that say they're apostles and are not, you found them liars. Verse 3, you've borne, in other words, you've carried burdens, you've you had patience, endurance. Verse 3, still, for my name's sake, you've labored and has not fainted. I'm just kind of briefly reading through. Verse 4, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. They had fallen. They were not unsaved, but the church had slipped. Remember from where you came from and repent. And do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. This was the revelation that God gave to John the Beloved. That was in about 95 AD. Only 40 years after. Paul spent this extended period of time of several years in Ephesus. Only 40 years has passed. And Jesus said, if you don't get your act together, then I'm going to remove the candlestick, which means you will no longer be a true church. And what have they done? Their love for Jesus was not what... You've left your first love. 
According to Jesus, this is not my imagination, this is not my speculation, according to Jesus, the church at Ephesus was in dire need of revival. Dire need of revival. Forty years is not a long time, right? By the way, today's my anniversary from being the pa- becoming the pastor of this church. I just thought about that. First Sunday of June, 1981. So 38 years ago was my first Sunday as pastor of this church. 40 years is not a long time. We're not making this up. This is, this is a real church. Paul visited this place. The church was established. He invested years of his life there. And yet 40 years later, he's saying, you are in such a need of revival. I wonder how they took that message. By the way, if you were to go to Ephesus today, I've never been to Ephesus, but if you go to Ephesus, they're not a church there. Now, here's the point. When Paul wrote to them, now again, they, he visited them in 53 to 55 AD. He wrote them in 60 AD. 35 years later, he addressed them in the book of Revelation. When Paul wrote them, Five years or so after he had been there first, he wrote them and he says, I'm praying for you that you would let God work in you. Now, why, you know, why would he do that? Well, first of all, he was led, inclined, inspired by the Spirit of God to write these words. But two, he knew the tendency for any of us to need times of revival in our life. God never ever intended for us just to get saved, grow a little, and then just sort of settle into a comfortable life and just do some stuff and check it off and think it's good. That's not God's plan. I want to tell you, this may seem harsh, but that's, that's, the, that's the path to death. You doing, go ahead and do it. See if you can do it and make it work. You can't do it and make it work. You may come to church, you may make yourself come to church. But it's not going to be the same as God working in your life and working through your life and giving you a desire to live for Him and a desire to love Him and a desire to serve Him and where you don't, you don't fit, look at it like it's drudgery. It's not drudgery to do something when God is working in you to will and do of His good pleasure. Churches need revival. Christians need revival. He won't make us be revived but He wants to revive us. And who revives us? It's the Holy Spirit in us. God is the giver of life. Eternal life comes from God. Spiritual life comes from God. You know, it's hard sometimes to get a person, I'm thinking of people not necessarily as Christian people, just people in general you're talking to and you want to help them. It's not hard to have people that won't really admit how much they have a need. We talked about that some this morning, about being in denial, too proud to admit. But I want to tell you today, Christians are just as bad. We don't want to really get honest about where we are. How we're not doing well spiritually. We're struggling. It's a labor what if, a, what if a believer finds themselves spiritually indifferent 
What if, what if they got honest enough to look in the mirror and say, you know, there's something not right here. You know, I don't think it happens overnight. I think it happens over the course of time that we just sort of start doing it. It's like we get, it's autopilot. You know, we've just been doing it. We're doing it. We keep doing it. And, and then all of a sudden we realize, you know, something's missing. Where does, where does renewal come from? Where does renewed life come from? It comes from God. I was thinking today about that passage in Psalms 85 where the psalmist said this, Wilt thou not, it's a prayer to God, Wilt thou not revive us again? Wilt thou not revive us again? That thy people may rejoice in thee? Now there's a lot in that little phrase. Number one, revival has to come from God. It has to come from God. But the psalmist recognized the, the fact that I've lost my joy is evidence that I need to be revived. Will thou not revive us again that my people may rejoice in thee? The absence of joy often is the result of the need for revival. The revival is the Holy Spirit giving new life. He can, he can lift a person out of spiritual indifference. I've seen it happen. He can give people a growing desire for His will. He can give us a love for Him and a hatred for sin. When we start tolerating sin and treating sin like it's okay and laughing at the world's jokes and becoming desensitized to the vulgarity of the world and we're entertained by the same things that entertain the world, it's evidence something's wrong in our life spiritually. He can bring a conviction of sin. We need that. He can bring a love for righteousness. We need that. He can restore joyfulness to our worship. He can revive our commitment to evangelism and missions. I want to tell you something. Most of, some of us have actually experienced this. When you and I become indifferent to the plight of the lost people, when we're not inclined to witness to people, to warn people, there's something wrong in our life spiritually. There's something wrong. We need to just be honest enough to say, something's gone wrong in me. He renews our passion for purity, our passion for holiness, our love for one another. Listen, revival is not simply a commitment to do better or to improve. It's renewed life from the Spirit of God. And it's taught throughout the Bible. I'm not going to dive into it tonight, but I was studying this afternoon a passage in James where the people were, people were just carnal. Let's just look at it quickly. I won't, I won't spend much time on it, but I just want to look at James chapter 4. He begins this chapter, and of course, as you probably know, the chapter divisions are not, weren't in the original giving of the Scripture, the original text, but it's added really kind of to assist us in our reading and study. But James deals with something that is very real, and that's the carnality of people who, who profess Christ. Look in James 4.1, From whence come wars and fightings among you, struggling and conflicts? Division, strife, drama. Where do they come from? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? 
Stop talking about your members of your body. It's not just your, the members of the church, the different people in the church. You lust and have not. You kill and desire to have. Just a frustration. You fight in war. You have not because you ask not. He gives all these, these problems dealing with carnality and worldliness. Look at verse 4. You adulterers and adulteresses. That's not talking about unfaithfulness in marriage in that context. He's talking about spiritual adultery. Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? He said, he said, don't you know that your closeness to the world, you're close to the world and the world is at enmity with God? You know, that describes where a lot of people can find themselves. It's just, you know, complaining and strife and drama and carnality and, and, and being attracted to the things of the world. And, he, and, and James addresses how to fix it. Look in verse... Just skip down to verse 6. No, verse 7. But he, he giveth, God gives more grace. The word grace means divine help. God. God gives more grace. The answer is not just, the answer is not just go to a special meeting. It's the grace of God. God can, you know, yes, the world is powerful. The flesh is powerful. But God is more powerful. All of us deal with our flesh. All of us deals with our carnal desires. But don't, don't come to the place that you say, well, it's just, you know, we just all live the way. No, God has something better than that for us. He gives us power over temptation. He gives us victory over... Yes, we all have times when we may be inclined to think lustful thoughts or we may be inclined to, to carry a grudge or whatever, but God, that ought to be... That's not the norm. The normal thing for a Christian life is to walk in the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit of God, to be controlled with the Spirit of God. That's God's plan. And we find ourselves thinking like this and acting like this and cozying up to the world. It's a call for us to get right with God. So what does he say? Look in verse 7. Submit yourselves to God. Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. He'll flee from you. You can win over this. God will give you the victory. Verse 8, draw nigh to God and He'll draw nigh to you. And all these passages. If you're, if, you're, if you're sitting here tonight and you're thinking, man, I want to get serious about this. I, I can tell that God's not really working in my life. The light's kind of gone on tonight in my heart, in my life. I see that I need, I need for God to work. Just... Mark this passage out here and spend time in James 4 because he just tells us, humble yourself and turn to God and, and, and come with a sorrowful heart and God will work in your life. God gives grace. God is the one who brings revival. But you know what? He uses prayer for one thing. Paul was praying for the church at Ephesus, right? He was praying for them to be revived. But he also uses honest confession. Repentance. Yielding ourselves to God. Draw near to God. Draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. A new commitment to live for God. Obey, obey God. I'm telling you, God wants to work in our lives. Young people, ask yourself tonight. Be honest enough. Be honest enough right now to ask yourself, is God really working in my life? What is God doing in my life? Can you... Can you realize that there's something very wrong with 
just sitting in church and hearing sermons and singing songs and not God not doing anything in your life. You know, you know what the Old Testament prophet said? Seek the Lord until He come and rain righteousness on you. Say, I want, I want God to work in me. Amen? The Holy Spirit is the agency for revival in our life. And you may be here tonight and you're not saved. You've never been born again. You've never truly received Christ as your Savior. You know what it is to have new life in Christ. The good news is Christ died for you. He paid for your sin. But you have to receive that gift by faith. You say, man, that's what I want to do. I want to be forgiven. I want new life. Just a moment. You ought to just come to me and just say, I want somebody to talk to me about this. Would it be great just to learn more about what it means to have eternal life living inside you?